Amen. All right, let's take a look in the Bible tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I am so glad I'm saved. Sure I'm glad the Lord died for my sins. Sure I'm glad I'm on my way to heaven. Glad I have assurance of it. It's plumb wonderful to be saved. It's plumb wonderful to be a Christian. Sure, I'm glad I'm saved. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's look in verse 11 tonight. Verse 11, and the Bible says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it's for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which, which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now I'm going to do my best tonight to try and preach to you a message called the word of reconciliation. He says right there, he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And that's in the context, obviously, of 2 Corinthians 5. But what he's really referring to is verse 18 through about verse 21. So I'm going to do my best to tell you what that's all about. This is really just a simple gospel sermon. I hope it'll be a help to you. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. And if you're not saved, tonight's your night. Tonight's your night to get saved. You say, you're trying to force me to get saved? I'm not going to try and force you, but I am going to preach the gospel and let God deal with your heart. That's what we pray anyway. So, Lord, we pray, God, that you help us tonight. God, pray that you'd make things real plain to us and help me, God, to preach. I pray you help me to trust you. Pray that you'd help me to follow your leadership. And God, be mindful, Lord, of what you're doing. God, Lord, I appreciate you. God, blessing my heart, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord, for salvation, Lord. It's the best life. God, it's the best life that could be lived. God, Lord, there's so many things, Lord, happened in my life. God, short 35 years that I've been alive, but God, Lord, clearly, clearly, Lord, honestly, God, beyond the shadow of a doubt, the best thing that's ever happened to me, Lord, is God, you're sending a preacher to me, Lord, sending me, uh, Lord, somebody to tell me, Lord, how that Jesus loved me enough to die for my sins, God, and pay for them at Calvary. And God, Lord, you gave me the grace, God, to, to believe on you and trust you, Lord. God, I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray, God, that you'd help me, Lord, for a little bit tonight as I try to preach, unworthy though I am. 
God, I pray that you'd help me and touch me. God, empower me. God, give me the grit that I need to say. Lord, the things that need to be said, give me the wisdom, Lord, to say everything that needs to be said. And then, Lord, when I'm finished, God, pray that you'd help me to sit down and be still and let you do the work, God, that only you can do. God, Lord, help your people. Lord, help folks, God, here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, he says right here in verse uh, 19, he said he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation. When he says the word of reconciliation, he's not talking about a particular word. He does you know, when you say uh, the word of whatever, oftentimes like you say the word sin or the word this or the word that, that's not exactly what he's talking about. He's not talking about a singular word. He, uh, that, that term is used in the same sense we say the word of God. Well, what word is that? Is that well, it's not God. That's not the word we're talking about. When we say the word of God, what we're saying is that there's a message that God has for men. God has for people. And it's the sum total of everything that God has ever wanted to say to man. And by the way, it's right here. This is the word of God right here. I hold it in my hand. Not wondering about that. I'm not trying to go to the Pope to figure out what it is. I, I don't believe that the word of God's locked away in a Vatican somewhere. Amen. I, I don't believe that let the word of God's locked away somewhere. I believe I got it sitting right here on the desk in front of me. I believe when I sit back there in my office, I'm reading it every day, every day, every day, every day. It's very hard to get along without some Bible reading. And I, I want to hear from God. And this is where his word is found. This is where his word is found. This is the word of God. So when he talks about the word of reconciliation, when he talks about the word of reconciliation, he's not talking about the word reconciliation, R-E-C-O-N, so on and so forth. That's not what he's talking about. There's a sum total of a message that's to be preached, that's to be ministered to somebody, and that is the idea of reconciliation. And so all that God has to say, all that the Lord wants to say about reconciliation, it's the word of reconciliation. I think you can understand that from what I've said so far. At least I'm going to take it for granted that you can. Now with that, let me say this. I want you to notice something here in the text. Verse 18, he says, all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And then verse 19, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You know, what the Bible doesn't say is just as important as what it does say. Did you know that? You know what I don't find in those two verses? I don't find anything about you being reconciled with your spouse. I don't find anything in there you being reconciled with your children. I don't find anything in there about you being reconciled with your mama or being reconciled with your church or being reconciled with your government or being reconciled with anybody else. You know what I find in there? It's being reconciled to God. You know what the word of reconciliation is? God wants to reconcile you to himself. But what about my mother? What about my daddy? What about my wife? What about my girlfriend? What about my boyfriend? Who gives a flip if you ain't reconciled to God? Yes, sir. Who gives, who gives two flips in a furnace if you'd get right with everybody except God? 
Yes, sir. The word. Hey, 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 you bunch of Baptists that come in on Wednesday night and got all kinds of other things on your mind. Y'all get right here with me in People's Baptist Church. Get right here. Hey, listen, the word of reconciliation is that there's a great big God sitting out there somewhere that's got his eye on you and you've messed up everything about not only your life, but you've messed up everything about this green planet, this wonderful place that God's put you on. And the only thing that's going to be able to put you right is you getting right with God. You're going to have to get saved. You're going to have to trust Jesus as your personal Savior. You're going to have to call on him in repentance. And until you do that, nothing about your life is going to get put together. Oh, but I'll get reconciled by getting rid of my dope habit. You can get rid of your dope habit and still die in your sins and burn in hell. I'm going get, to get reconciled by getting rid of my drinking habit. You can get rid of your drinking and die in your sins and burn in hell. I'm going to quit this running around and I'm going to quit this stealing and I'm going to quit this carousing. I'm going to quit this blaspheming. You can quit all of that stuff, but if you don't get reconciled to God, you die in your sins and you'll burn for eternity, but God sent his son to die for your sins. Yes, sir, what he wants you is he wants you to be reconciled. God wants you to be reconciled to himself. Yes, sir. I don't find everybody so worried about making their wife upset and making their husband upset and making their kids upset. What to God you'd get to the place? I'm talking about you hard headed, hard hearted Baptists that come in here looking like your puppy dog died, wondering about everything that's going on in this. What to God you'd be as upset about making your God upset as you was about making everybody upset down at the workplace and making everybody upset down at your home and making everybody upset down everywhere else except down at God's house, down at where the Lord lives. Hey, God, God sent his son to reconcile you to himself. God wants you to get right with him. Are you reconciled? Huh? I mean, is anybody reconciled in here tonight? Is anybody at peace with God? Anybody got peace in their heart? I, I didn't think so. I'm preaching to the Methodists. Well, that's all right. I pray that you get saved, all of you. I pray you get saved. You say, Brother Nathan, I just don't like to be on cue about shouting. Okay, sit there and just stare then. I'll shout for you. Hallelujah, I'm saved. I'll shout for you, you bunch of Presbyterians. Oh, Brother Nathan, you're being a little bit hard on us. Why shouldn't I be? You think the Lord's going to be any easier when you get up to heaven and everybody standing around saying holy 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 because that's all they're going to do up in heaven all they're going to do is shout the praises of God or they got they ain't going to shout your praises they're going to shout my praises they're going to shout the praises of your grandma they're going to shout the praises of God yes sir you say why unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood you know why folks don't get excited about their salvation brother Chris they forgot how bad their sins really was they forgot. They forgot. I'm talking about you. You forgot. You forgot how bad your sins was. You forgot the hole that God brought you out of. You, you forgot the pit that God brought you out of. You said, Brother Nathan, I got saved right off the church pew. You was in a pit of sin. You was in a pit of filth. You was in wallowing in self-pity and self-love, which is, I guarantee you, what's the matter with about 10, 10 of you in here tonight. I was going to say 10%, but I think it's a whole lot more than 10%. Yeah. Yes, sir. Just wallowing around in self-pity and self-love. Hey, somebody loved you. Somebody loved you. Somebody loved you. You say, who loved me? God. God loved you. And I, I just tell you, God loved you a whole lot more. Listen, God loved you a whole lot more than you could ever love yourself. Yes, sir. You say, what are you talking about? A word of reconciliation. 
It's the word of reconciliation. Oh, if, you know, if I can just get my family life worked out, if I can get my finances worked out, if I can just get this addiction taken care of, if I can just get those things handled, I'll be right back where I should. That's the idea of reconciliation. Being put back to something where you'd like to be. I mean, you was in a good spot at one time. Huh? You was at a good spot one time, and now we're reconciled. I'm talking about in a relationship with somebody. Oh boy, if I could just, you know, get rid of this beer, if I could just get rid of this dope, if I could get rid of this cocaine, if I could get rid of this meth, if I could get rid of this marijuana. You did know that marijuana still sin, didn't you? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Marijuana will keep you from Jesus. Yeah. Tobacco will keep you from Jesus. Yeah. Liquor will keep you from yeah. Jesus. There's a whole lot of things that keep you from Jesus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God don't want you messing around with that stuff. Oh, if I could just get this stuff handled. Boy, I believe with all my heart. Boy, I could just be reconciled. I could just be reconciled. I could be right back to where I would need to be. No, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you'd never get to God. You can't get to God. Oh, sir, you can't get. Biblical reconciliation is not found in being at peace with your family. Yes, sir. Contrary to what Dr. James Dobson said. Dr. Doodle, I mean, I don't know what all these preachers is preaching about, but everybody's preaching about being right with your family and being right with these people and right with these people. Biblical reconciliation, being right with God. Amen. Are you right with God? Let me just ask you tonight. Are you right with God? You say, Brother Nathan, I'm not exactly where I should be. Let me ask you this. Are you saved? Hey, listen, listen, you may not be doing what you're supposed to be doing. You may not be on top. You may have had a bad day, whatever the case may be. But, man, if you're saved, you're reconciled. And if you ain't saved, you ain't got no reason to shout. If you ain't saved, you got every reason to be sad, down in the mouth, and poochy lip. But I'm going to give you some good news before the sermon's over. Yes, sir, Jesus loved you too. Yes, he sure did. He sure did. Jesus, God, loved you too. Hard-headed as you are, know it, know it all as you are. Huh? Got it all figured out like you do. And making a mess out of yourself, doping yourself to hell, drinking yourself to hell, carousing yourself to hell, blaspheming yourself to hell. God loved you too. Sent his son to die for you. Yes, sir, that's, that's the best news you heard all day. you mad because I ain't giving you no bad news, ain't you? That's what you upset about. Yes, sir. Give us some bad news. Tell us how God's going to kill us. I'm going to tell you how God was going to kill you, and then one day he rescued you. Yes, sir. Real reconciliations, being reconciled to God. Are you reconciled? You reconciled? That's a big deal. You say, how big of a deal is it? Well, I don't know. There's a whole lot more folks that ain't reconciled than there are are. Hey, you know the Bible says that when the Lord comes back, he asked this question. He said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? That's an implication that he won't. That's a whole lot of people that's heading towards damnation. That's a whole lot of people heading for destruction. You're not, if you trusted Jesus. Hey, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. You're so worried about minorities. Why don't you worry about that minority? Yes, sir. Hey, man, I done preached myself sore. Anyways. Let, look, look right here with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. At least if you ain't brought a Bible, let me read it to you. Verse 19, he says, to wit. Here's the, here's the word of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was in Christ. And that's not, all, that's not all the word of reconciliation, but that's part of it, that God was in Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, and without controversy, great, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the, unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. That's, that's God in Christ. It's not, listen, it's not just that God was in his little heart and he was just hiding out in there like a, you know, Jiminy Cricket in your pocket. No, that was, that was God. 
that man who was walking around who said his name was Jesus, huh? Uh, the angel came to Joseph and said, hey, when this baby's born, he said, I know you don't quite understand this. You know, a woman being pregnant with no man involved, that's called the virgin birth. Kind of hard, kind of hard for those things to take place. But you know what? He said, hey, this fellow right here, uh, this baby that's going to be born, I'll tell you what, you're going to call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. Yes, sir. And his name called Jesus. You say, who was that? That was the God man. That was God. That was God. You say, that was a man. That was God manifest in the flesh. Great, great is the mystery of godliness. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. You say, what's so special about that name? Well, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says that that name means something. Names actually meant something in the Bible. You know what Emmanuel means? It means God with us. Yeah. Well, Brother Nathan, that's not all that big of a deal. I mean, God's with us. You'd think it was a big deal if you was Israel in captivity to Rome. Huh? Huh? God said, hey, so long as I'm with you, so long as I'm with you, you'll never be in captivity. That's basically what he told him. He said, you do what I tell you to do. My presence will be with you. And he said, I'll make you the head of the nations and not the tail. And here they are. They're the tail. They're the, in Matthew chapter 1, they're the tail. And here comes an angel to, to Joseph and says, this baby that's going to be born, this is the Emmanuel. This is the one that's prophesied of in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. This is Emmanuel. Oh, that name means God with us. Hey, that's God right there. Right there in the middle of his people suffering. Right there in the middle of a bunch of folks that are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart and ears. Like uh, Stephen said in the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter 7. Right there in the middle of it all, there's Jesus Christ. That's God. That's God with us. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. You say, I don't believe that that, I don't believe that, that was God. Well, you're wrong. That's all there is to it. How can you talk with such, how can you talk with such emphatic? Because the Bible says so. The Bible says it was God. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, he says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and uh, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. That's a mighty fine name, by the way. Wonderful. Huh? Uh, that's what some of you think you are. Oh, Wonderful. I walk into the house and have your wife sing your praises. Have your husband sing your praises. Oh, you're so wonderful. No, sir, that name belongs to one individual. And it ain't me and it ain't you and it ain't my wife. It ain't my granny. It ain't my mother. Huh? It belongs to one wonderful counselor. The mighty God. That's a mighty God wrapped up in a mighty small package. But that was God. That little baby. Listen, that little baby in a manger was just not any other little baby. That's God. That little baby laying there so helpless. Laying there, leaning on his mother's bosom. That's God. That was God manifesting the flesh. You said, boy, I can't understand that. You wasn't asked to understand it. You was told that was the way it is. Take it or leave it. But that's the way that it is. That's what God said. That's God manifesting the flesh. I sing that old song. It says, he created the womb that gave him birth. Huh? That's the God that we're talking about. We're talking about the God that slung the nebula out on the, off of the of his fingers. We're talking about the God that put his fingers out there and put all these stars out there and named them, named them, named them, named them one by one. Here he is wrapped up in such a small package. Just his little baby laying in a manger. You say, who is that? That's God. 
That's God. That's God. That's God manifest in the flesh. Yes, sir. That's who it is. Yes, sir. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. Yes, sir. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He was, uh, took upon him the form of a servant and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every, not, not Muhammad, by the way, and it ain't Buddha, and it ain't, uh, it ain't your favorite priest or whoever that might be, Dr. Rotman or Jack Howes or Mike Easter or Nathan Irie. I don't know that I'm your favorite preacher, but it ain't your favorite preacher to which every knee's going to bow. He's at the name of Jesus Christ. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that he's Lord to the glory of God the Father. But you know who that man is? That's somebody that thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Huh? That's God. That's God, whether you believe it or not, that was God manifest in the flesh. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Listen, if you came in the back building this evening, if you came in the back doors and you said, hey, I'm God, I'm here, I'd think that you was a thief and a robber. Huh? I'd think that you was out of your mind. I'd think you'd have lost your marbles, and it would be true. Oh, Brother Nathan, there's all these people wandering around the whole world saying they're Jesus. There's all these people wandering around the world. Uh, hey, there was people in Jesus' day that said they was Jesus. Huh? There's one fellow whose name literally was Jesus. Then it turns around in Colossians chapter 4 and it says they called him Justice. J-U-S-T-U-S. Justice. Why? Because Jesus is associated with somebody very special. Hey, if I was a Mexican and my name was Jesus, I would change my name. Huh? About like if my name was Judas, I'd change my name. My mother would have to be drunk to name me Judas. Huh? There's just some names you don't name your children. I know it's a long, long ways away. I know it's a long ways away. But when you have kids, Judas is off limits. Yes, sir. Delilah, no good. At least if you name her Delilah, you can count on it. No good boys is going to marry her for good reason. That's right. That's right. Maybe that's what you want. Brother Chris, maybe that's what you should have named your daughters. Delilah. I mean, keep them at home for the rest of your life. Uh-huh. Yeah. Don't worry. I didn't kill the service. It was already dead. Uh, yes, sir. But at the, hey, Jesus' special name. Yes, it is. Jesus is a special name. Yes, it sure is. You say, I just don't know that Jesus was God. Jesus said he was. Yes, sir. John chapter 14, verse 9, I believe it is. Yeah, verse 9. He told, he told Thomas, he said, he that's seen me has seen the Father. Huh. If that ain't a claim that he's God manifest in the flesh, I don't know what that is. Listen, if I came in here and I said, he that's seen me has seen Nathan Irie. You wouldn't think nothing about that because that's true. I mean, if you've seen me, you've seen me. But if I came in here and I said, he that's seen me, seen God, he'd go, okay, call Milledgeville, Georgia, bring in the white coats and take him off to the funny farm. Ye he will be. Yes, sir, that's what you, Jesus said, he that's seen me, seen the Father. Huh? Jesus said, I'm here because I'm trying to reveal to you the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Oh, Jesus never said he was God manifesting in the flesh. What Bible are you reading? Oh, that's right. You ain't reading no Bible. 
I said, you ain't reading no Bible. Yeah. I mean, for all this stuff you argue about, all this stuff you get upset about a preacher saying, you ain't had guts enough to pick up the Bible and read it all the way through. Well, I just don't have enough time. You got time for video games. You got time for TV. Yeah. Yeah. You got time for card games. You got time to eat. Yeah. Oh, that was a low blow. You got time to eat. You got time to eat. Well, Brother Nathan, a man's got to eat in order to live. Well, hey, I think if eternal life, if, I was, if my soul was going to live somewhere for eternity, heaven or hell, I think I'd miss about five or six meals in order to figure out where I was going to be. Yeah. Yes, sir. You know, you, know why, you know why a lot of folks is lost and on their way to hell? Because they care more about their flesh than they care about what's going to happen after the yeah. grave. You know why a lot of Christians are backslidden people's Baptist church tonight? It's because you care more about your flesh than you care about what's going to happen to you after you die. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. I said, that's exactly right. God, Jesus said he was God. Jesus said he was God. Yes, sir. Uh, look over in John chapter 10. I mean, we, we can't get you quoting scripture. I'll I try and get you by reading it. I mean, we'll do one way or another. Look over here in John chapter 10. Look in verse 30. John chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus never said he was God. I got news for you, Buster. You need to read the book of John. Look right here in John 10, verse 30. I and my father. Hmm. Hey, listen. The Bible says in the book of Colossians that he is the image. He is the image. Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You know what invisible means? You can't see him. You can't see God. You cannot see God. But you can see his image. It's Jesus. You say, Brother Nathan, I ain't never seen him. I ain't, neither, I ain't seen him neither, but he lives right down here deep in my heart. Amen. Yes, sir. Jesus lives way down deep in here. Yes, sir. You say, how's that so? In the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what John 15 said. Yes, sir. You say, I just don't believe that's what that means. Well, well look right here. That, that was John chapter 10, verse 30. Look right here in verse 31. It says, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. All because he said, I and my father are one. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you. Hey, I've done all this good stuff for you. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because thou being a man makest thyself God. Them Jews didn't have no question about what he said, who he said he was. Huh? Jesus said, I and my father are one. I and my father are one. And the Jews picked up stones and got ready to bash his brains in. Of course, it wasn't his time to die, so God stopped that. The Father stopped that. You said, Brother Nathan, I thought you just said that Jesus is the Father. Okay, then Jesus stopped it. I mean, what do you want to do? All that stuff stopped. And they said, they said, we're not stoning you because you did all these good works. We're stoning you because you're saying you're God. They're, he said, we're, they said, we're stoning you because you said you're God. By what statement? I and my Father are one. Them Jews didn't misunderstand it. Huh? Them Jews didn't misunderstand. Oh, Jesus never said that he was God. Jesus said it out of his own mouth. You got it straight from the horse's mouth. And then on top of that, you had a bunch of people that were there in the moment, heard him say it, and they said, that's what he meant. Yeah. That's how, is, how is it that a bunch of backslidden, hard-hearted, lost, reprobate Jews have got better sense than a J.W.'s God? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. J.W. said, Jesus ain't God. He's a created God. My hind leg, he was a created God. He was just as much God as God the Father. Yeah. Yeah. 
Amen. You take that to all your Jehovah's Witnesses friends and tell them, because I ain't got no JW friends. I don't hate them. I wish they'd get saved, but you reject Jesus, you're going to hell. Yes, sir, that's, that's, that's all there is to it. Yes, sir, it's the case. John 5, look over in John chapter 5, verse 18. John chapter 5, verse 18. You better hurry because I'm not going to hang around long with you. John chapter 5, verse 18. The Bible says, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Jesus never claimed that he was God. What's that all about? Them Jews didn't have no misunderstanding about who he was. Look over in John 19. I'll tell you somebody else who didn't have no misunderstanding about who he was. Look over in John 19. John 19, Jesus' on trial. He's getting ready to be crucified. Look in John 19, verse 1. Then Pilate. Pilate knew who he was. Pilate knew who Jesus claimed he was. Look at what it says. Verse 5. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, and they cried out saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him. Crucify him. They said, they, they said Hey, you need to put this fellow to death. Pilate said, You take him and put him to death. You know what they said in the next verse? Look at what they say. The Jews answered him, We have a law. And by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. You know what that verse implies? He was already afraid. He's already a little nervous. I mean, his wife, you know, long-tongued heifer as she was, she came out there one day. I don't know that she was a long-tongued heifer, but I know. Everybody calls her wife, you know, their old lady. So his old lady came out and said, you better not have anything to do with that just man. I've had a lot of trouble sleeping last night. I had some dream about him last night. You better leave that fellow alone. What's this all about? And they got out there and Pilate had him scourged just to try to get the Jews off his back. And he brought him out there and they say, he said, behold the man. Look here at him. Look at what I've done to him. And they said, crucify that fellow. He said, you take him and crucify him. They said, well, we got a law. By our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Huh? You know what this is already after? This is already after he sent him to Herod because he heard he was from Herod's jurisdiction, Nazareth. Herod sent him back. He said, I don't want nothing to do with that fella. He ain't no magician. I can't see none of his tricks. I ain't interested in him. Sent him back to Pilate. Pilate went up to him after he got back and he said, where are you from? From whence art thou? That's what he said right there in the passage. From whence art thou? Jesus just stared him in the face. He said, don't you know who I am? Don't you know I got power to put you to death and I got power to release you? Jesus said, you ain't got no power except it was given you from above. Boy, you want to talk about a fella breaking out in cold sweat. Huh? Jesus, sweat great as it were, great drops of blood in the garden. I don't believe Pilate did, but I bet you he came close. You, you're staring God right in the face. Looking at this man, Jesus, you're staring God right in the face. And you're saying, you better talk to me. And he just stand there and look at you. I mean, what you going to do, put him to death? He's going to come up three days later. Huh? What you going to do, pull out your knife and stab him to death, man? It all prophesied, all laid out the way it was. Yes, sir. Huh? Jesus was God. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says. God was in Christ. 
reconciling the world unto himself. Yes, sir, that's what it's all about. Pilate understood it. You know who else understood it? Old loudmouth Peter. Thank God a Baptist preacher can understand that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. You did know that Peter wasn't no Catholic. He was Baptist. Uh-huh. You know, you know how you know that because when that cock crew or crowed or whatever it was, when that, when that old rooster let loose, Peter said, uh-huh, we ain't heard the last of you and preachers been eating fried chicken ever since. Yes, sir. Old Peter, Peter the Baptist. Absolutely. Uh, some of y'all just now sliding into home base and getting that. Uh, old Jesus said, hey, he said, who, who does all these people say that I am? And I said, well, some say you're Elias. And some say, you know, you're uh, uh, this fella and you're that fella. Some say you're a prophet. And Peter looked, and Jesus looked at Peter and said, who do you say I am? He said, well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Amen. Yep. And he said, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonas. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Oh, Brother Nathan, I'm really just trying to get some great revelation from God. Do you know that Jesus is the Son of God? He's the Son of the living God. He's the Son. Do you know that? Listen, until you realize that, you ain't dealing with nobody except the devil. You ain't dealing with nobody except you. Oh, look at all this Bible information I got. I mean, I'm interested in the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know what's, what's true about the Dead Sea Scrolls? They're dead. They ain't got no juice on them. Yeah. Huh? I'm worried about the Da Vinci Code. I mean, I got all this stuff. Yeah, but you don't know that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. What in the world do you know? You set back 50 years. You set back 500 years. You set back 5,000. You're living in the dark ages, man. You don't know that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. You don't know nothing. Oh, I know. I know. I know somebody tried to tell you something, and you're so hard-headed and hard-hearted. You know everything. You got it all figured out. I mean, you can't pick up your drawers off the floor, but you got it all figured out and somebody comes and tells you about Jesus. I just don't know about all that. I just don't know about all that. Well, you don't know nothing. You don't know nothing. You don't know nothing worth knowing. Well, I know the Atlanta Braves baseball stats and I know who's on the uh, first lineup for, you know, the Denver Broncos. I don't know what we got in the Denver Bronco fans. Probably nobody around here watches NFL since they started kneeling at the American flag. But nonetheless, uh, college football, your thing. Huh? Yeah, I got real quiet there, I guess. Uh, of course, y'all was quiet before, I mean. That's okay. Yes, sir. But you don't know Jesus is the Son of God. You don't know nothing worth knowing. Yes, sir. You don't know nothing worth knowing. So, Brother Nathan, I'm not very smart. I don't know how to do algebra. You know Jesus? Brother Nathan, I'm not very smart. I don't even know how to diagram a sentence. Y'all better learn. English is what preachers deal with. You're going to have to know how to diagram a sentence. It'd be helpful at least. I don't know that Brother Mike knows how. Uh, but it'd be helpful. It'd be good for you. Uh, Brother Nathan, I don't know how to diagram no sentence. You know Jesus? Huh? You know Jesus? Hey, if y'all going to preach, I recommend you know Jesus. Yeah. Yes, sir. You fellas get up here and prepare a little sermon or put your little lesson together. I recommend you know Jesus. Oh, Brother Nathan, I'd like, to, I'd like to do some public speaking in People's Baptist Church. You know Jesus? Well, no, you don't know anything worth knowing. You don't know anything worth telling. Huh? Oh, Brother Nathan, there's so much more to learn. I understand. I understand. But that's where you got to start. If you don't know Jesus is God, man, in the flesh, what do you know worth knowing? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. 
Man, people got all this information stuffed in their mind. You know, I know who's running. I know who's running for president this next election. Do you know Jesus? Huh? Hey, ma'am, could I give you a gospel track? I'm a Republican. What's that got to do with anything? Huh? I'm voting for Ron DeSantis. Who do y'all like down there at your church? Jesus. Oh, you meant who was we going to vote for in the election? That's not this kind of church. We're a Jesus kind of church. <laughs> That's a great blessing to me. That's a great blessing to me. Oh, yes, sir. I like Jesus. I do like Donald Trump, but I like Jesus a whole lot more. I do like Ron DeSantis, but I like Jesus a whole lot more. Yes, sir. Donald Trump has ain't got it all together. Neither does Ron DeSantis. Jesus got it all together. And I know Jesus. And I'm happy about it. I'm not walking through life. <laughs> I know Jesus. And I'm so torn to shreds. No, I like it, man. I'm loving it. I love every minute of it. Would to God some of y'all would love it too. I mean, would to God you'd be happy about it every once in a while. I mean, hey, hey Jesus worth knowing. Jesus worth knowing. Oh, Brother Nathan, you know, I don't know this and I don't know that. You know Jesus. Ain't that worth knowing? You know what's going to happen to you when you die. Huh? If you don't, then you ain't got nothing to shout about. But if you do, boy, you've got everything to shout about. I mean, all, all you did was just miss hell. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God was in Christ. God was in Christ. And look right, look, look back here. I, I don't know where you're at in your Bible. I hope you're back in 2 Corinthians 5. But look, look back here if you're not there. I'll give you a second to get there. Uh, of course, you probably got it memorized. But 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18, he, well, verse 19, he says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. You know what that word reconcile means? It means to conciliate anew. It means to call back into union and friendship the affections which have been alienated. Hey, I got news for you. You've got some alienated affections between you and God. You know who the one is that needs to be reconciled? It ain't God. It's you. You're the one who has the affections that's been alienated. Hey, God's affections are set right where they've always been set. Yes, sir, they sure are. God's not the one needing to be reconciled. Boy, it makes me want to throw up hearing this modern-day Jesus being preached. You know what the modern-day Jesus is? He's a long-haired hippie with blue eyes and a little nice trimmed beard. Huh? I said he's a long-haired hippie. That, I mean, it's the Catholic Jesus. I mean, you see all these pictures and he's got a shroud about. That ain't Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. He, Jews, I ain't seen too many Jews with brown eyes or with blue eyes. I was wondering why nobody said amen. <laughs> I got, got my information mixed up there. That was on me. Uh, I ain't seen no, too many Jews with blue eyes. Oh, I know this Jew and he's got blue eyes. Oh, shut your mouth. You don't know nothing. I mean, you don't know Jesus is God, so just shut up. Amen. Amen. Somebody, modern day, let me get back to where I was. The modern day aspect of Jesus is he's this sniveling little child in a corner somewhere crying because you won't invite him to your birthday party. That's the modern idea of Jesus. You know, preachers get up and this is the invitation that they give for people to be saved. You need to come down to an altar and invite Christ into your life. No, 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 you do not. Jesus needs to get into a whole lot more than just your life. 
He needs to come into your heart because your heart is as black as, a, as the, night, the, the, the night before the children of Israel. That ninth plague that they had where it was so dark that the darkness could be felt, that's how black your heart is. Jesus needs to come into your heart and turn the 5,000 watt light bulb on and shed the light of the Lord Jesus Christ on in there. That's what he needs to do. Yes, sir. You don't need to invite Jesus Christ into your life. I know a lot of Baptists that do good for them. Huh? I, I'm talking about getting Jesus down in your heart. Getting Jesus in your heart. Getting Jesus in your heart. Boy, it's hard. It's hard to let a whole lot of sin wrestle around in there when you got Jesus in your heart. Listen, I don't believe that the night, that, that the day or the night that a Christian gets saved, I don't believe the next day they turn into saints. Although the Bible does say you are a saint. But I'm talking about as far as what people see. I don't believe that folks get victory over everything the day that they get saved. But I do believe this with all my heart. When Je the, day, the day that Jesus moves in, it's not comfortable for you to have sin and Jesus in there at the same time. And Jesus moved in. He took up residence and he ain't leaving. Jesus sat down in your big recliner in your heart. That's called a throne, by the way. He sat down on the throne of your soul and he said, this is my house. I ain't leaving. I bought and paid for this. I purchased this with my own blood. I ain't leaving whether you like it or not. Well, Lord, you just kind of make it uncomfortable around here. I mean, I got all this pornography hanging around, and I got this dope hanging around, and I got this beer, and I got these drugs hanging around. You just kind of make me uncomfortable around here. Jesus said, not my fault. One's going to have to go, me or it, and I ain't going nowhere. Take your pick. I mean, that narrows the choices down a whole lot, don't it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It sure does. Yes, sir. It sure does. Yes, sir. You've got some alienated affections between you and God. God's not the one needing to be reconciled, though. Uh, the, the affections that's been alienated, not his. It's yours. I said it's yours. It's yours. It's your affections. It's your affections that's been alienated. You say, where'd they get that? Where'd where, where, we get those alienated affections from? The devil. Genesis chapter 3. Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know the day that you eat thereof. Your eyes will be opened and ye shall be as gods. God's holding you back, man. Ain't that right? That, that's what the devil said. You know what every lost man in his mind's thinking right now? When's this going to be over? Yeah. When are we getting out of here? I'm hungry. It's time to go home. You know what every lost girl in here is thinking right now? This is boring. I don't enjoy this. What's this got to do with anything? Huh? You know what you see church as? You see church as a stumbling block. You see church as something holding you back from something bigger and better. I know that's the case. That's why you ain't saved yet if you ain't saved. I know that's the case. I, the, only reason, the only reason a man won't get saved after having a clear presentation of the gospel once or twice or three times or 15 times, however, however many times you've had the gospel presented to you, the only reason a man won't get saved, the only reason you won't get saved is because you feel like that salvation's holding you back from something. If I get saved, I've got to get rid of all this. If I get saved, I'm going to lose these friends. You ain't got no friends. I said you ain't got no friends. Hey, listen, if your friends is holding you back from Jesus, they ain't friends worth having. You like that or you lump it. Stick it in your spiritual pipe and smoke it. But that's a God's honest truth. If them friends is keeping you from Jesus, they ain't friends worth having. 
They ain't friends worth having. Yes, sir. I might lose my job if I get saved. I doubt that. But if that job's going to make you go to hell because you rejected Jesus because you was afraid you was going to lose your job, I'd dump the job and go to heaven. Pray God give me a different job. Mm -hmm. Oh, Brother Nathan, I really want to get saved, but, you know, I work down here at this Budweiser plant. Son, you better let loose of that Budweiser plant in a hurry. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, drinking's still a sin. Drinking is still wrong. If you drink booze, you not only got a gut full of liquor and a brain full of mush, you got a heart full of hell. Amen. That's right. That goes from the pulpit all the way back to the very back door. I don't give a flip who you are messing around with booze. You better cut loose of it or God's going to bust your rear end. Yes, sir. And if you ain't saved, he's going to land you. That's a devil's drink. I said, that's a devil. That's a devil's drink. Yeah. Mamas and daddies pull money out of their wallet and go give it to the little baby so they can go get drunk for some, some entertainment purposes. You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. That's real tempting to run a rabbit trail. Let me just go ahead and run it. Let me just go ahead and run it. Oh, Brother Nathan, it's just an addiction. I mean, it's just an addiction. It ain't no different than you being addicted to Coca-Cola or coffee. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. How many, how many people have you seen drink 12 cups of coffee and get behind the steering wheel of a car and go like this, swerving all over the road? I've maybe seen some people drink 12 cups of coffee and go real fast. <laughs> I ain't never seen none of them swerve all over the road. I, I ain't never. Brother Tommy, I ain't never met one fella who got drunk let me put it this way. Who's had his judgment impaired from drinking a 24-pack of Coca-Cola. Yeah. I never met one. Yeah. The Bible says by your fruit you'll know them. Yeah. What's Coca-Cola produce? Kidney stones? It's a whole lot, whole lot better than cirrhosis of the liver. You're just looking for a reason to justify that trash. Yes, sir. You're full of hell. You need to get saved. And if you are saved, you need to get right with God. God hates that stuff. He'll always hate that stuff. I ain't, I ain't never, Brother Michael, I ain't never seen a man offer a Coca-Cola to a woman down at a bar so he could get her clothes off or get her in bed. I, I'm sorry for being so blunt, but that's a God's honest truth. I ain't never, I ain't never seen a man offer a woman a, a, a glass of sweet tea so he could put something in her drink and abuse her. The first two times, boy, this is a far shot from the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation, but it's true. First two times, liquor shows up in the Bible. First time it shows up with Noah, he gets taken advantage of. The second time it shows up, Lot's drunk. He gets taken advantage of. Both of them men, both of them get taken advantage of. Fellas, not ladies, fellas get taken advantage of. Both times, it's drunkenness. First two times, Wine shows up in your Bible. Jesus drank wine. You telling me that Jesus laid, laid down at the Last Supper? Huh? At the Last Supper and what he had was alcoholic booze in the cup and he gave it to all his fellows so that they could have a drunken fest? You are out of your mind. You're off your rocker. You're full of hell, man. You, I said you're full of hell. And the only reason you believe that is because you're on your way. 
Amen. Wicked. That's the devil's drink. I said, it's the devil's. It's the devil's drink. You need to get saved. Brother Nathan, nobody in here drinks. My hind leg. Brother Nathan, what do you know? I don't know anything. I know this. I preached up here when I was a little boy one time. I mean, real little boy. I was about that tall. <laughs> I preached up here one time and preached about some fellas. I said, you better get off them bar stools. Some fellas laughed about that, thought that was so funny. Hmm? I guarantee you some folks were slipping around drinking. I guarantee you. Good Baptists. Southern Baptists. Independent Baptists. Free will Baptists. Baptists of all kinds. You're welcome. You need to be saved. You know what, Brother Chris? I ain't never had a drop of booze a day in my life. And I ain't missed out. I don't feel like I've missed out on nothing. You know what I've had? I've had a good dose of Jesus. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. I don't have to get stoned out of my senses to have a good time. I love life. This is a wonderful life, Miss Jasmine. It's a wonderful life. I love it. I'm not talking about the Jimmy Stewart movie. I'm talking about the life God gave me. It's a wonderful life. God gave this to me. I'm having the time of my life without beer, without dope, without running around on my wife. You say, what happened? Jesus gave this to me. God gave it to me. Yes, sir. You say, what happened? I got reconciled. I got reconciled. Yes, sir. This verse points out two things. Let me give them to you and then I'll move on to point three. Oh, Lord, when's he going to be over? Just hang tight. This, point, this verse points out two things. First of all, it points out, he said, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. You know what it points out? First of all, it points out that reconciliation's needed. God don't do nothing in vain. God's not going to just come do something just because he's bored and out of his mind. God does what he does for a purpose. It points out, that verse says, it implies that reconciliation is needed, and it sure is needed. Yes, sir. And if it's needed, then it implies that there's some break between God and man. There's a chasm. There's a break between you and God. I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what your mindset is. I don't care what your raisin's like. I don't care what your discipline is. There's a chasm between God and man. And man has to be brought back to that place where he's in good standing with God, to where he's in good relationship with God. You say, what's that chasm, Brother Nathan? It's sin. It's sin. Listen, the chasm that stands between you and God is not your parents and it's not your children. Oh, Brother Nathan, my family just keeping me from God. No, it's your sin. Oh, Brother Nathan, my drunkenness is keeping me from God. Well, it's sin. It's sin. Yes, sir. What's, what stands between you and God is your sin. Yes, sir. The Bible says, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, it says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Listen, the whole time you're down on your knees trying to get an answer from God as a lost man, as a lost woman, as a lost boy or girl, as a lost child, the whole time you're down on your knees praying about this and praying about that, God's looking at your sin and saying, you got to get this taken care of first. Oh, but God, what about my money? Get this taken care of first. Get your sin taken care of. What about my family? Get your sin taken care of first. What about my job? Get your sin taken care of first. Amen. It's your sin. It's your sin. God, you've got to take care of your sin first. That's what reconciliation, that's what being put right with God is all about. It's about getting that sin question. Jesus Christ didn't just die for you. He died for your 
sins. Jesus didn't die just because he was moved emotionally for you. He died because you are a sinner and you need to have the sin question dealt with. That's what Jesus died for. He didn't die to make you feel better. He didn't die to make you think better. He didn't die so that you could have better. Jesus died so that your sins could be washed away. Yes, sir, that's the issue. That's the issue. That's the issue. And then let me say this. Not only does it point out that reconciliation's needed, it points out that reconciliation's already been provided. You say, who's it been provided by? God. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. You say, Brother Nathan, how do I get reconciled to God? God will have to do it. You say, oh, no, I think I'll, I, I think I'll just join a church. You're not going to be reconciled. Why? Because God's got to do it. Well, I think I'll be baptized. I think I'll put money in the offering plate. You're not going to be reconciled to God. Why? God's got to do it. That's all stuff you're doing. God has to reconcile you back to himself. Man messed things up so bad. He said, Brother Nathan, all he did was ate a piece of fruit. He disobeyed God. Do you realize what, what a mess Adam got this entire creation into just by virtue of just disobeying God one time. See that tree? Don't eat the fruit of that tree. Adam goes over there. The whole thing is so messed up that Adam is absolutely helpless to get himself to God. See, your problem is your standards are way too low. You look at sin and it doesn't look too bad to you because it's common. We do it all the time. I mean, what's wrong with a woman in her underwear up on the, on the advertising screen? I, I mean, what's wrong with that? The only reason you think that's because it's everywhere. God hates it. God despises it. Well, I mean, I know it's just, I know it's not mine, but I mean, it's just, just a tootsie roll off of the counter. I mean, what's, I mean, what could be wrong with taking that? It's not even worth five cents. I mean, of course, now it might be worth a quarter with as little as American money's worth. I mean, it ain't worth nothing. So you think that way because it's common. God has never thought it's not common to God. God looks around in heaven. He says, I don't see nobody messing up up here. Huh? God looks at himself and says, I ain't never messed up. It ain't common to God. So all the stuff that you look at and say, it can't be all that bad. God looks at it and says, it's bad. It's so bad you can't do nothing to fix yourself. Brother Nathan, how do I get reconciled to God? God's going to have to do it. God's going to have to do it. You can't do it yourself. Church can't do it. Preacher can't do it. Priest can't do it. Minister can't do it. Baptist can't do it. Baptist, Baptist. I said Baptist. Being a Baptist can't do it. Huh? Your mom and daddy can't do it? You say, who's going to have to reconcile me to God? God himself. Yes, sir. You say, how's he going to do it? Let me quote you a verse of scripture. Isaiah chapter, I say quote, I read it to you. Isaiah 45 verse 22. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I'm God and there's none else. How am I going to get saved, Brother Nathan? God's going to have to do it. Boy, you was in a mess before you got saved. If you're sitting in here saved, you was in a mess. Brother Tommy, we don't realize how far down we was. You was headed for hell, boy. You was doomed and destined for destruction, man. God, nothing short of a miracle is what it took to change your life. 
So Brother Nathan, I was never on drugs. I was never a drunkard. I was never this. I got saved right off the church pew. He's headed for hell. You're just headed for hell. Listen, once you get into hell, the door swings shut and you don't ever get out. There's no reset button. There's no retakes. There's no more chances. You was headed, you was headed destined, doomed and damned for hell. God had to get involved. I don't know. I don't know why that wouldn't scream the fact that God cares about you. Nobody cares about me. You're out of your ever-loving mind. Here you are, a reprobate of a sinner on your way to hell, and God sent the best thing that he had to bleed and die for you, provide his own life, a ransom for your soul. Nobody cares about me. You're a moron. Yeah. You are, or maybe you're just ignorant. I hope you're just ignorant. I hope you just don't know. That's why I'm telling you. But if you can sit through a church service and have somebody tell you God loved you just enough to send the very best that heaven had so he could bail your dirty, rotten soul out of hell and you can still sit there and think, nobody loves me. You out, you off your rocker, Jack. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, you out of your mind. Yes, sir, you out of your mind. God provided salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how reconciliation provided. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. This is the record that God has given to us eternal life. God given it to you. He made it available. And this life is in his son. You say, where's eternal life to be found, preacher? It's found in Jesus. Yes, sir. John 14, verse 6. He said, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. Jesus. That's God manifest in the flesh if you forgot. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. You say, How, how's God going to reconcile me to himself? The only way he can do it is through Jesus. That's the only way he can do it. That's the only way that he can do it. Yes, sir. It's in his son. Listen, God didn't provide to you some teachings. God didn't provide to you a religion. Huh? God did not give you some religion that you have to observe in order to be saved. God gave you a person. And that person is Jesus. Well, I'll get to heaven by observing the, pre the teachings of Jesus. You'll die in your sins and you'll burn in hell. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. I'll, just, I'll follow the example of Jesus. You're going to die in your sins and you're going to burn in hell, man. Yeah. Yes, sir. You're going to burn. You're going to burn, man. It's not, it's not the teachings. It's not the example. It's the person. It's who he is. It's what he did. It's not how, how far you measure up to him. It's not what you can do to emulate his life. It's what he did for you. 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 You messed it all up. He bowed you out. All that's left is you got to take it. That's all that's left. Yes, sir. That's all that's left. That's all that's left. Let me point this out. We'll close. Look here in 2 Corinthians 5, look in verse 18. Well, verse 19. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. You say, how's he going to reconcile the world to himself? Well, he's going to do it through Jesus. But he's going to do it by not, recon not, by not imputing their trespasses unto them. Amen. You say, how's a man get saved? The only way that a man can be saved, whatever that means. And it means a lot. The only way a man can be saved is God somehow, somehow has to look at all the transgressions that that man's committed and say, not guilty. That's a big task. Listen, if your boy did something that earned him a whooping, 
It'd be, it would be very hard for you to look at him and say, he didn't do that. And you still be just. You'd be a liar. Huh? My boy ain't never done nothing wrong. You're out of your mind. Every boy done something wrong. Before he turned five. Before he turned four. Before he turned one. Every boy done something wrong. Huh? You done something wrong. I don't care who you are. You done something wrong. The only way you can be saved is God has to look at what you've done wrong and say, not guilty. And the only way he can do that is he, he has to find a way to be able to not impute your trespasses to you. Look at Romans 5. We looked here, I think, in Sunday school uh, this past Sunday. Let me show you. Let, let's take a look at it one more time. Romans chapter 5. And I want you to look in verse 12. Romans 5 verse 12. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world. I hope you know who that is. That's Adam. By Adam, sin entered into the world. And now every man that is born, he's born a sinner. He said, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. That's how you know every man's a sinner. Because they all die. You say, well, I'm not as bad as the other guy. Let me ask you one question. You going to die? Why do you think science is working so hard to make man immortal right now? Brother Nathan, they got this thing to where they can, you know, put all your memories on a computer chip and they can plug this thing in and it's like you'll live forever. I got news for you, Jack. You ain't living forever. Death, death is not a science problem. Death is not a medical problem. It's a moral problem. You, men die because they're sinners. That's the only reason that men die. Men die. Men don't die because they grow old and give out. Men don't die because, you know, they lose their sight and walk into, in front of a car. Men die because they're sinners. Yeah. You want to take a look over there across the street? There was a dog out there. Boy, that thing scared me. He's looking at me. You want to take a look over there at the street and see how many folks is over there in the graveyard? You know who's going to the grave? Everybody. You're all sinners. Yes, sir. Wherefore, as by one man sinned, entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But we, I think we looked at it on Sunday. I'm not going to read all of this. Well, look at verse 13. He said, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin's not imputed when there is no law. There's a possibility of men being innocent. You say, when are they innocent? Well, as long as they don't know what's right and what's wrong. As long as God don't tell them what, they expect, what his expectations are. I mean, you can't hold somebody accountable for doing something wrong if you ain't never told them, hey, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. They're in a state of innocence. Hey, deviant though they may be, God's God going to have a hard time justifying himself at the judgment and sending people to hell if he ain't never told them, don't you kill nobody. If God kept his mouth shut about that and people went out and killed each other, God wouldn't be just in putting somebody in hell. You killed that fellow. Well, you never told me not to. But I got news for you. The law showed up. And you are now accountable. The law. The law has appeared. The law. Exodus 20. And it's not just Exodus 20. That's just 10 of them. It's all throughout the Old Testament. It showed up. And you're accountable. God's going to charge you. You are charged. You, you know what the law says when it showed up? Guilty. 
Guilty. Guilty. The law looks in the face of every man, woman, boy, and girl that's ever, ever been alive, ever been alive, pointed his long finger, the long, long arm of the law, pointed his scrawny finger in the face of every man, woman, boy, and girl that's ever been alive and said, guilty. You say, oh, no, not me. That law looks at you real hard and says, there it is, guilty. There was a man that showed up one day, and John looked at him and said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And the law stuck its head up and said, what? The law walked around for 33 years and followed that man around for 33 years. Couldn't find one thing. God the Father looked at the law and said, what you think about that? He said, I can't say nothing. Yeah, yeah, He's right. Yeah. Spotless. Clean. That's why he's a lamb. You say, what's, that? what's the significance in that? He's a substitute. Law looked at David. Guilty. Law looked at Moses. The lawgiver. God gave the law to Moses and said, give that to them people. Moses walked down off the mountain. No sooner had he got off the mountain, he took all 10 of them commandments and broke them right in front of the people by losing his temper. Broke them all. He broke them all because he lost his cool. You know what the law said? Guilty. Looked at Aaron. Guilty. Jeremiah. Daniel. Guilty. Of course, you're not Daniel. Daniel. Looked at Jesus Christ, not guilty. Not guilty. Yes, sir, not guilty. Yes, sir, look in Romans chapter 3. That's what the law tells you. It tells you guilty. Verse 19, Romans 3, verse 19. Now we know what things soever the law saith, and it says a lot, it saith to them who are under the law, for what purpose? That every mouth may be stopped. You know what God did by sending the law? God, shut your mouth. Well, I don't like that. God said, shut up. Well, I don't think that's right. God said, shut up. Oh, that's hard. God said, shut up. Yeah. That every mouth may be stopped. Well, Lord, I'm a good fella. Shut up. Well, God, I don't think you're right in sending all these people to hell. Shut your mouth. That every mouth may be stopped. And what's the next phrase say? And that all the world may become guilty before God. Yeah. Listen, will you stand at the great judgment bar of God? And you will stand there if you're not saved. When you stand before the great judgment bar of God, I believe that there's a possibility that you will be given an opportunity to say anything that you want to say. I don't know that you'll take advantage of it. But I believe you'll be given the opportunity because I believe God's that just. You heard me preached. You heard me testified of that I was here to take away your sins and you wouldn't trust me. So now you give me the justifiable reason on why you think you don't need me as your source of justification. Well, Lord, I ain't never done this. He's going to say, it's written. He's going to deal with you the same way he dealt with the devil. It's written. Well, Lord, I ain't never done this. It's written. 
But Lord, oh, so-and-so did that. It's written. But Lord, a little bit didn't hurt. It's written. You know what he's going to say? What did I say? You remember your mama telling you that? You remember your daddy telling you that? Well, daddy, I don't want no whooping. What did I tell you? Oh, mama, please. What did I tell you? You remember that, that feeling of terror that came over you when your mama said that? Imagine your maker looking at you and saying, what did I tell you? Boy, you want to talk about a helpless feeling, a hopeless feeling? You want to talk about, and listen, listen, not only hopeless and helpless, but standing before God and knowing you're getting ready to be thrown into a fire where you're going to be tormented for the rest, not just the rest of your life, the rest of eternity. You're never going to die, and all you're ever going to do is burn. You're going to burn. You're going to burn. And stand there and watch God say all of this to you, and in your mind and in your soul think, He's right. He told me. He sent a stupid preacher to preach at me in People's Baptist Church. He told me. Boy, you want to talk about hopeless. Look in Galatians 3. Galatians chapter 3. It's amazing. People appeal to the very thing that is their condemnation as their source of justification. Listen, you go and talk to somebody about Jesus, about Jesus. And they say, well, I don't think I'm all that bad. Well, why do you think you're not all that bad? Well, I ain't never killed nobody. Well, you do realize that that law that says you ain't supposed to kill also says you ain't supposed to covet. And it also says you ain't supposed to take the, names, the Lord's name in vain. Huh? God. That's using God's name in vain. Jesus Christ. That's using God's name in vain. You wasn't talking to him, was you? You're using his name as a by The same law, the same law that says you're not supposed to kill somebody was given by the same individual that said you're not supposed to take my name in vain. It's given by the same individual that said you're not supposed to take anything that don't belong to you. Oh, but I didn't do this. See, you see it as a competition. You see it as a game that's being played. This is not a game that we play because we've got to rack up as many points and, and many brownie points as we can and rack this up so that when we get to heaven, God will say, okay, that's a passing score. God's interested in the fact that you transgressed against what he wanted. And which part of God are you justified in transgressing against? Which part? Would you tell me? Which part are you justified in looking at God and saying, I just don't think that that's really a big enough deal for you to be upset about, God. You want to tell me which commandment? Here sits a fella. Here sits imaginary man number one. And he goes, and he goes out and he murders his two-year-old baby daughter because she was an inconvenience to him and he wanted to get rid of her. You said, Brother Nathan... There's a low place in hell reserved for that guy. And I'd agree with you. That kind of stuff really happens not too far from here. Jacksonville, Florida. That kind of stuff. Some fella pick up a crowbar or a baseball bat and I just leave it right there. You know what you'd say about that fella? Galatians chapter 3 verse 10. You'd say that fella's under a curse. Look at what it says. Look at what Galatians 3 verse 10 says. 
For as many as of the works of the law are under the curse, for it's written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Hey, doesn't the law say thou shalt not kill? Hey, that little fellow go out and murder his two-year-old baby daughter because just because she's a mere inconvenience, she's crying for something. She ain't got no sense about. She don't know. But hit that fellow murder that little baby girl. Oh, he deserves to go to hell. You know why you say something like that? Because it's got your heartstrings. And for right reason. It ain't got some people's heartstrings, unfortunately. That's why they do the devilment. But it's got your heartstrings. You know what commandments have God's heartstrings? All of them. Amen. All of them. God says, thou shalt not covet. And you covet. Boy, it makes God's blood boil. Yeah. Don't use my name. Don't, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You say, well, then why don't he do, about it? do anything about it? He's taking all that wrath and he's piling it up for the day of judgment. You say, what are you saying, Brother Nathan? I'm saying there's a low place in hell reserved for you. Not because you're not as bad as, you're, you're bad, worse than this guy over here. It's because you're a sinner. You're a sinner, ma'am. You're a sinner, ma'am. You're a sinner, son. You're a sinner, daughter. Yes, sir. Here's the good news. Cursed, verse 10. Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Here's the good news. Verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of law being made a curse for us for it's written. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Look up here at me. Look up here at me. You see this right here? You know what that is? You say that's a cross. It is a cross. You know what that's made out of? Not just this one. The one he hung on. You know what it's made out of? It's made out of wood. Wood comes from trees if you didn't know. You know when Christ died, you know where he hung? He hung on a tree. And you didn't know it, and I didn't know it, and the Roman soldiers that crucified him didn't know it. But two or 3,000 years before that, God made a statement in the Old Testament. And that's what Paul's quoting in Galatians 3 when he says, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. God made a statement, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And God made that statement knowing Two or four thousand, however long it was, two thousand years later, there was going to be the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh, and he was going to hang on a tree. And the reason that he needed to hang on a tree is because he had to become the curse. He had to take the curse that was on your soul, on your life, because you are a sinner. Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You're under a curse. Jesus said, I'll lay down my life here at Calvary on this old rugged cross on this tree and I will take the curse. And God looked at his son hanging on Calvary. God is effectively dealing with himself. I don't understand all that. I don't know what to tell you. All I'm telling you is what the Bible says. God looked at his son hanging at Calvary and said, that guy's guilty. He's under a curse. That guy's not guilty, but he's cursed. I'll take those transgressions. I'll take those iniquities, and I will impute them to him. Paul said, this is the word of reconciliation. This is the ministry of reconciliation that we preach to you. 
that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Who did he impute them to? His son. It's a substitutionary death. He had no sins to die for, but he died anyway because there was somebody else's sins that he could pay for by dying. Anybody still in 2 Corinthians 5, 21? Anybody there? Let me quote it to you. You can turn there and look. You can turn there and look if you want, but I quote it for you. For he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You say, Brother Nathan, that is too simple. If it wasn't that simple, there would be no hope for you. God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him, all it takes is simple belief. God took his best gift and he put it on the lowest shelf to where anybody could get it. He put it to where the dopehead could get to it. He put it to where the harlot could get to it. He put it to where the child could get to it. He put it to where the businessman could get to it. Anybody can get saved. If you know you're a sinner and you know Jesus Christ died for you and you believe that that was God paying for your sins in Jesus Christ and you want your sins paid for, all it requires is for you to find a place of prayer somewhere. And I recommend right here. This is a wonderful place. You say, but Brother Nathan, all those people are going to see me. Isn't it worth it? Man, I wouldn't go to hell just because I was worried about all these eyes looking at me. Huh? Find a place of prayer and get out on your knees in the best way you know how. Cry out to God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve hell. I know I'm a mess. I know I deserve what's coming to me. But Lord, I believe you sent your son to die for my sins. Lord, would you save me? And listen, when you call on him and ask him to save you, believe that he will because he said he would. He said he would. And if you call on him in simple faith, if you call on him in simple belief, the Bible said he'll save you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, not maybe, not hopefully, thou shalt be saved. The Philippian jailer looked at Paul and said, hey, what must I do to be saved? Paul didn't tell him, you got to go down here and we got to get you baptized. Paul didn't say, hey, you've got to come over here and we've got to get you to join this church. Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. A thief hanging beside Jesus Christ and another thief hanging on the other side and the thief on the other side is ridiculing and scorning and scoffing Jesus Christ. Hey, if you're the son of God, get yourself down off the cross and while you're at it, get us down. And the thief on the other side looks at him and says, you better hush your mouth. Boy, we deserve the wrong that we're getting. We deserve to be in this place, but this man's done nothing amiss. And he turns and he looks at that savior That's who's dying. He turns and he looks at that man. He don't look at his teachings. He don't look at his example. He looks at the man and he says, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, would you remember me? Jesus never said anything to him about his church membership. He never said anything to him about how much money he put in the plate. He never said anything to him about what he done wrong. 
He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. A couple of hours later, Jesus Christ died. A little bit while later, they came by and they broke the leg of that fella that called on Christ and he died. He lifted up his eyes in Abraham's bosom and he looked over there and he said, like a bandit, man. Made it by the skin of my teeth. Boy, some of you are going to walk out of this building. Very possible you'd never make it back. And if you got saved tonight, you'd have made it by the skin of your teeth. You reject Christ, you go out of here into a Christless eternity, there'd be no turning back. No second chances. You say, well, preacher, I'm just going to wait for God to deal with me. I'm just going to wait for God to send me some kind of sign. Here I am. It's me. I'm the sign you're looking for. You say, where do you get that from? That's what he said in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, now I beseech you. He said, God sent these ambassadors out into the world. Let me just read it for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 20, he said, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. You know what I'm doing tonight? Jesus is not here. God is not here. He's in my heart in the person of the Holy Ghost, but you can't see him. But God sent you a preacher. That's what I am. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a preacher of the gospel. And God sent me to you tonight to tell you, would you be reconciled? I beseech you. You know what beseech means? It means I beg. Be reconciled to God. Hey, listen, if you don't want to be reconciled, it's on you. But if you want to be reconciled, everything is paid. Your ticket is already punched. All that's required is for you to come down to an altar and cry out to God and let him just hand it to you. You say, what's the ticket? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Listen, if you've never been saved tonight, I've preached this clear gospel message, I think, as I've ever preached. Listen, why don't you come? Why don't you come and trust Christ as your Savior? Listen, the best way you know how, if you've never been saved, why don't you 